Good morning. Good to see you. Um, let's open up to Second Peter. And I wish I could have been. Oh, we're wobbly. Um, I wish I could have been in your small groups to hear some of your memory stories. I was thinking, I was trying to think of a funny story. And I, because I can get a little irritated when people forget things in my house. So I don't, (laughs) um, so, you know, I have all teenagers and um, I think it was, the Avengers movie, the Infinity War, you know, we were all going to go see it. I was all so excited. So it probably was in the last year. And one of mine, I'm not going to say who, we were halfway there and said, Mom, I forgot my shoes. (laughs) So um, needless to say, I had a passionate reminder um, that... And all my, the rest of the kids did too. Um, very frustrating when everybody's not on the same page, right? And everybody doesn't remember, but we all know we struggle with our memory. Um, so I named this um, lecture Passionate Reminders because Peter was given us a passionate reminder. And I think he probably could remember some of the things that Jesus had told him while Jesus was on earth 30-some years ago, 30 to 40-some years ago when he, before he wrote this. And here are some that Peter might have remembered. Before Peter's denial, Jesus said in Luke twenty-two thirty-one, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith will not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And that's just what he was doing, right? He was strengthening his brothers. So encouraging. Then, as Jesus restored Peter after he had been resurrected, in John 21, he said, Feed my sheep. Truly, I tell you, when you were younger... You dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. So Jesus said that to indicate what kind of death Peter was going to die. So let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we are just um, coming to your word hungry and expectant. And we want your word to be in our hearts. We are asking, Lord, that your Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, will take the word and use it in our lives, apply it individually to each person here in our own set of circumstances, that the word would be something that we crave and delight and... um, See that it is a gift from you to each of us personally, just like you talked to Peter personally when you were with him face-to-face on the earth. You speak through your word to us. You know our individual needs, and you speak, and we are asking and dependent upon your spirit this morning. Amen. So let's read Second Peter, 
And I am probably going to start a little before and go a little after to kind of give us a little bit better context. I think I'll start um, kind of where Tabitha left off, the end of 10.11. For if you do these things, you will not fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received honor and glory from God the Father, when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Peter is passionate and urgent in his reminders, as he knows his time on earth is passing quickly. He wants these believers that he's speaking to in Second Peter to be aware of the wolves that want to distort the truth. The truth needs to be on the forefront of our minds so that we can readily dispute the lies of false teachers. So it goes from here, right, to here. So that's our prayer, is that the Lord is going to take his word, keep it at the forefront of our minds by his spirit. It's a miracle. He wants them to be anchored in truth, and they were. Remember, they were established in truth, and then to not be led astray or drift away. We all know that our hearts are prone to drift, so we make every effort to remember. Paul says, false teachers do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ. They serve their own appetites. But we remember, and Peter serves the Lord Jesus Christ. When I speak of truth, what comes to your mind? You might be affiliated with truth through a denomination or associated with truth through a believing spouse or friend or even a blog. So this morning, when we talk about truth, we're talking about the Word of God. And I will use it interchangeably with Scripture. Truth revealed through creation is a general revelation of God. Truth revealed through scripture is a special revelation of God. We see God in ourselves rightly through the lens of scripture. Scripture reveals God's character and our sin and our need for a savior. As we think through truth this morning, Let's think in terms of the value we place on it, the, the priority we make it in our day. Remember from our study of James a couple of years ago, in chapter 1, 
he spoke of obeying the truth right when you hear it so you don't forget it. This is what it says in James 1. Do not merely listen to the word, but do what it says. Be like the man who looks intently into the perfect law and continues to do it, not forgetting what he has heard. Be a gazer into the truth, not a glancer. It takes time and energy to be a gazer. Truth guides us on our walk of faith. Truth is our nourishment to stay healthy and growing in our faith. So let's be intentional with our time and value truth above things that might compete with our time in the word. So I have put number one on your outline. We have a personal responsibility to remember truth. Be intentional. And let me tell you what I mean by this. I don't mean that everything is our responsibility. We've already talked about this is God's word. God's spirit as lives in believers to understand the word and to digest it for us. But our responsibility is setting the alarm to get up early. Our, our responsibility, we have a personal responsibility to the word. So this is what I'm talking about. And thankfully, God even gives us the want to, right? He gives us the want to to study scripture and to remember scripture. This is what 2 Timothy 2.7 says. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding. This is Paul talking to Timothy. So he's using his mind, but the Lord will give you understanding. We use our natural power to come to the supernatural gift of the scripture. So we do have a responsibility. Peter is wanting his readers to be intentional and remember truth, to value it above everything else. Peter says that his readers know truth and are established in it, but he wants to remind them always of it. So let's look back and remember all that Peter has passed on to these believers. Even as we think about 1 Peter, we were chosen by the foreknowledge of God, sanctified by the Spirit and by the blood of Jesus Christ for obedience to Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. As we suffer here, Jesus is keeping our inheritance safe from perishing, spoiling, or fading. And his power is shielding us and giving us everything we need for life and godliness. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. And he has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Grace and peace are ours in abundance. He reminded them and us that Jesus Christ suffered unjustly but perfectly. Jesus bore our sins on his, in his body on the tree. By his wounds we are healed. For Christ died for sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring us to God. He wants them and us now to remember that through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, we all have equal standing before God. 
Peter's reminders are helpful because he's always pointing us to truth. Peter's reminders are hopeful because he knows that the life that we're living is temporary. And he's trying to point us to the life that's eternal. To the everlasting life where our Lord and Savior is king. He goes on in chapter 1, and we're going to study that in a couple weeks, to talk about the transfiguration. And I read that, a couple of those verses. It's detailed in Matthew 7, 1 through 13. Peter was granted the privilege of seeing Jesus in the glorified state. So he got a prequel of his second coming. So he was an eyewitness of what Jesus is going to look like. So he wanted to pass that on as a reminder, this is a real kingdom, and I've seen him. So all the more his passion and urgency is coming through. The transfiguration gave Peter credible evidence that Jesus would come again. Peter's reminders to his readers were helpful and hopeful as he pushed them to value truth. So here are the questions I need to ask myself from this passage. How much do I value truth based on the amount of time I put forth in reading, meditating, and obeying truth? And are there other ways besides just me in my quiet time remembering truth? I know we read this in our homework, Hebrews 10, 24. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as the day of his return approaches. Do I see prayer, church attendance, the taking of the Lord's Supper, baptism, the ordinances, and Bible study commitments as helpful ways of remembering as well? They're all working together to remind us. The more I think about the authority and preciousness of the scriptures, the more I hold them in high regard. I give them authority over my life, my daily routine, the, month, the mundane things, as well as the trials and the sufferings. For me personally, remembering truth means acting on it, practicing it. We talked about practicing the qualities. Every morning, I have to bring my mind and my heart to the scriptures so that I can be reminded of Christ's love and sacrifice for me. It is then I can say, in view of God's mercy, I can present my body a living sacrifice. So it's a daily coming and asking him to redefine my thinking. Put down anything that is competing with your time in God's word. Truth is a necessity, and we have a personal responsibility to be intentional in making it our number one priority.
Truth is the way we know and grow in our relationship with Jesus. John MacArthur says, I put this on your outline, to recover spiritual truth demands repetition and use so that the more you hear and the more you think through and apply spiritual truth, the the more it dominates your thinking. So it takes time and effort. And I love this. I I found this. I'm just going to turn to Luke 7.18 because I was thinking about John the Baptist. You know, he began in the Scripture, and he ended in the Scripture. Our life of walking in truth and remembering truth, we always come back to the Scripture. He was the forerunner of Christ, right? But at the end of his life, he was in jail before he was beheaded. And things weren't going so well for him, right? Um, So he had two of his disciples to go speak to Jesus. And this is what it says in Luke 7, 18. John's disciples told him about all these things. He called them together and he sent them to the Lord and he asked them to say, Are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? But but John was Jesus' forerunner. So it's almost as if he needed some affirmation and he was in the word. So this is what Jesus says. Tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away because of me. So I love that even John the Baptist had to be pointed back to the scripture he knew. He knew that scripture. It was Isaiah and Malachi. So I love that Jesus pointed John the Baptist back to Scripture to encourage him. So let's move on um, to the second point. And we should be purposeful in reminding others of truth. So we take in truth personally, and we're committed to remembering it and living it out. But also let's be reminded that we can point others to truth as well, and we can be influential for, uh, to others. And, I th- of course, I think of the baton being passed from one team member to the other, and I hope you notice that the first person has it securely in their hand. They're possessing the baton personally. And then to make a good handoff, the other person has to grab on to that baton. So when I am established in truth, it gives me the ability to be influential in the kingdom of God. Peter says that he is making every effort, a concentrated effort, in his influence to pour into these people now and well past when he is gone. He gives us the model of discipleship. Discipleship never, the word discipleship never occurs in the Bible. Disciple does, right? But discipleship does not. Disciple is a person who follows Jesus and embraces his lordship. So he's, in, he's encouraging people to embrace Jesus and come under his lordship. 
He is saying, in a sense, let the lessons that I teach you outlive this moment. I want you to know Jesus Christ and have the truth at the forefront of your minds. His word and his spirit will carry on the discipleship process. And I thought of these other great passing of the batons. I know um, Tabitha has mentioned a couple last, last week. Moses to Joshua in Deuteronomy, very intentional in passing on the baton. Joshua, before he died in Joshua 24. Paul's farewell to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20. And Paul's passing on ministry duties to Timothy in 2 Timothy. Please take the time to read these. Great. And the Great Commission in Matthew 28 as well. Jesus calling us all to go and make disciples. So sometimes our discipleship happens unintentionally though, right? Sometimes it's very intentional. You know exactly who you're passing that baton to, right? But sometimes it happens unintentionally, just in our everyday life. When we are filled with truth in our ordinary everyday lives, extraordinary things happen. And I thought about Deborah in Judges 4 and 5. I would love for y'all to write that on your outline. Please read about Deborah. She's a wife, a mother, and a prophetess. And she was faithful in communicating God's message. And I love that. Isn't that what a disciple is? Just faithfully giving out the message. We're just messengers. But we have to know the word and remember the word. So um, I wanted to read this quote. This is from Kathleen Nielsen. Some of y'all probably read this book over the summer. But I love what she says about Deborah because it encourages me to be a modern-day Deborah. If there is anything we want to learn from Deborah, it's to have our minds and words filled with the Lord God. Deborah was given the great gift of being a prophet and speaking God's words directly. Today, we have been given God's completed word in the scriptures so that every one of us can feed on it and love it and let it flavor and shape all the words we give to others in every context where God allows us to speak. So that's pretty amazing, right? I love the example of Deborah. And that's what the the truth and being in the truth empowers us to do. Our time in God's word prepares us for what the day will hold. All of the truth that we have stored in our hearts is a gift from God to help us to see past our difficult circumstances and trust the God who loves us. We unintentionally become a light for Christ to the world via our home, workplace, school, neighborhood, or ministry opportunities. When I am established in truth, it gives me the ability to be influential in the kingdom of God. 
possess truth personally and pass it on. There is a direct correlation between how much I'm influenced by his word and my ability to influence others. I'm going to say that again. There's a direct correlation between how much I'm influenced by his word and how much I can influence others for the glory of Christ, right? Am I offering truth and encouragement in someone else's life on a regular basis? If the unexpected opportunity presents itself, would I be ready to share God's truth just from the overflow of what's in my heart? Um, I thought of a children's leader. The end of last week, one of our children's leaders had an emergency in her family, and she spent the weekend in the hospital with her daughter, who had a, they found a mass in her abdomen. And I know this leader, I'm not going to tell you her name, but I know this leader, and she's very godly, and she loves God's word. And I believe that every truth that the Lord had given her prior to the day she got that phone call prepared her for that day. And that's the kind of woman I want to be, right? Because we don't know what a day's going to hold. And I thought about a friend who left the country on the mission field last summer. And I thought about her parents. And I thought the same thing. Everything they had taught from God's word, they had to bank on for themselves for that day. And I thought, what a waste if they hadn't taken advantage of every opportunity to remember and savor God's word. Because it's gonna, you're going to need it. God's going to put you in a situation where you're going to need it. And I love this quote from Jim Elliott. Only one life will soon be passed, right? Because this is temporary. We're going to the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And I want my reward in heaven, right? Um, I want us to take a minute. We have several minutes left. I really want the Lord to help us make application from this. Um, So let's close our eyes. Lord Jesus, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And we are so needy and so wanting it to get from the Bible to the forefront of our minds. It takes such effort, Lord. We are asking that you would give us the want to every day, that you would give us the mental capacity to remember your word, that you would give us courage to share your word, that you would help us to be intentional 
in the time that we spend in your word so that we can be influential where you have us. So right now, I would just ask for you to take a minute and you can look over your homework or your notes, but I'm just going to pray. And, and, and you can just pray, but I'm asking that you would look back and ask the Lord to help you star something from your homework, from the lecture that you're going to do this week. A lesson that you've learned, a thought that you've had, something that you can put into practice that you can make application. So we're just going to take a minute of quiet so that we can do this. Lord Jesus, we are asking for you to reveal to us our personal responsibility in remembering your word. And we ask that you would give us ideas of who we can share that word with. We all have influence, and the word is not just to be kept in our hearts, but it's to be given back out. So, Lord, we um, are just thankful that we get to be here together, that this is a way of remembering as we gather together as friends and talk about your word. So we are so thankful for your spirit that makes your word palatable and understandable to us, the simple-minded. And we are just excited for what you're going to do this week. And we pray this in your precious name. Amen. Now y'all be little sparks and go share it with someone. I don't know the exact words. That was it? Okay. Pass it on, right? Pass it on.